Uh, hey, gentlemen, how you doing? All right. What's new and exciting? It's Tuesday. That's I, neither I assume, new nor exciting. <laughs> I, I assume that you're talking to Ryan because you said gentlemen. So. Oh, uh, kaboom. This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. My name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Steve Barkley. Hola. And Mr. Ryan Flurry. I'm Ryan Flurry. Um, All right, Scuffy, what's new and exciting? Hmm. Nothing. <laughs> Ryan, did you uh, did you catch a little bit of the the new Apple? Uh, what what do they? I don't even know what they call it anymore. WWDC. WWDC, right? See, we're going to get hate mail from all the Apple fans out there. They're like, you guys covered Google I.O. and you talked about it and you wrote a blog post and you don't even know what the Apple event name is. I know what it is. Okay, so you go ahead. WWDC. No, I didn't didn't watch the event. I've been following people's tweets on the Twitter, on the Twitters, and it really, to me, doesn't look like there was a lot of exciting announcements out there. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there's some... Um, you know, catching up that Apple is doing, uh-huh. but nothing really innovative Ooh, that I saw. You're definitely you're 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 but cruising for some hate for, mail. I know, I know. Uh, but you know, if you're an iPhone user and you're excited about what's coming, let us know what's coming because well, maybe we'll talk about it. Now, I did hear some Simpson about a Siri. What was what were they saying about Siri? It's not going to be updated till 2019 or something. Oof! Yikes! That that kind of puts them behind. Uh, that, yeah, that puts them way behind. Yeah, the series already behind, and that kind of yeah, they're all, they're they're not going to catch up to the Amazon or the Google Assistant anytime soon. You know, they, they might be just better off just, and maybe this is what they're doing. Maybe this is why there's going to be no updates till 2019. You know, maybe they're just going to put their energies into somewhere where they can actually get out in front, as they they kind of know that they've they've kind of lost the race to. To Google and Amazon, and they're just being like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna put our efforts into something else. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, keep working on Siri, but it's not gonna. It doesn't sound like it's a priority for them. Well, and one of the things I heard is that there wasn't a lot of mention of accessibility in their their keynote. So, you know, again, I'm gonna put this out to our audience. If you felt that there was or wasn't enough mentioned about accessibility um let us know and we will try to get somebody on the show maybe from apple viz again to talk about you know what what was mentioned and what's coming this fall actually that's a good idea that's Mm -hmm. a really good idea maybe we should uh talk to the apple viz guys Uh, apparently there have been some improvements to surrey they uh they announced that uh they're including a new shortcuts feature and an uh, an app based on Apple's workflow acquisition, whatever that means. 
yeah, that none of those words together mean anything to me. Yeah. In terms of hardware, about the only thing that they announced in terms of hardware were new uh, bands for the uh, the Apple, Apple Watch, Watch and yeah. uh, some new cases for the yeah. iPhone. Mm. But hardware-wise, it was uh, it was pretty bleak. Yeah, no new MacBooks, I don't think. No new um, Apple TVs. Well, you know, it could be that they've just kind of plateaued, right? Like, you mean you can you can only have so many, you know, huge. There hasn't been a new Mac Mini since like twenty thirteen or something. Advancements. No new iPads. Well, there's uh, there there they announced uh, TVOS twelve mm-hmm. for uh, for Apple TV. Yeah, which that's, I think supports Dolby Atmos. Coming in the summer. Uh, they're doing a uh, Mac OS update to Mojave. Yeah, and Macs are going to be able to start running iOS apps on. And somebody, somebody uh, uh, very uh, aptly pointed out that uh, Apple is naming their OSs after deserts and... Google is naming their OSs after desserts. <laughs> oh, damn. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is too funny. Huh. Interesting. That's got to be on purpose, right? Well, Android or Google's been doing it since gingerbread. What was before gingerbread? So, you know, desserts and then Apple... I don't know what their first no, cause desert it, there was. No, because it was Safari, because it was what was OX and Safari. Wasn't there Tiger? Wasn't, wasn't yeah, that there was, that's right. There was Tiger, Leopard, Lion. And then, yeah, then they've gone to High Sierra, Sierra, mm. Mojave. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so it sounds like Google. Apple's, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> Apple's kind of throwing some shade down at, at Google. They have a dry sense of humor. Wow. Um, <clears throat> anything else that you noticed, uh, news wise? Well, we had that, that woman's house attacked by a beaver in, uh, <laughs> in Nanaimo. That's fantastic. Love it. Royal Canadian Mountain Police responding to a beaver chewing on somebody's house. Now I got to include that, uh, news story in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. For context. Because it's true. It's a true story. Yep. I remember a few years back in the province, front page of the province, our, our local newspaper here, uh, where the front page story was about a skunk in Stanley Park, which is our, our big big local park. And there was apparently just a runaway, not I, I don't know, not a runaway skunk, but just a skunk that was terrorizing people. <laughs> and uh, I thought, I, I enjoy living in a, in a city where that makes the front page. <laughs> I, I remember one time I, I used to live down in the West End, which is right beside Stanley Park. And I was uh, walking along and I saw this fire truck pull up to a building and, and uh, this, this fireman, he's looking up at the building and he's walking towards the building. What he wasn't noticing was that there was a skunk halfway between him and the building. Oh, no. And when I pointed it out to him, he, he, he did this little dance. Very, <laughs> it was very funny. It's the, oh my God, there's a skunk in front of me dance where you, you know, do these wild dance moves and that make you end up about 20 feet further back than where you started. It was pretty funny. Well, hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, what, what, are we, uh, what are we up to today? Today we are talking with Kirsten Sutton, Managing Director of SAP Labs Canada. Really? What are we talking to her for? Well, she's a member of a group called the President's Group which is a 
Hmm. What would you say they are, Rob? They are an organization of business leaders who help make the business case for hiring people with disabilities to other go. companies. They they help they reach out and they help uh, people who are looking for employment and employers to help them get set up. So kind of best practices kind of thing. That's correct. Cool. And I think a lot of it is is education. I mean, they they're they're. I think their mandate is really to educate mm. other businesses to let them know that hey, you know, hiring people with disabilities is actually not only, you know, uh, you know, a good idea, but it's it it makes really good business sense. So also on the show, as if that isn't enough, we are also talking Ryan to Len Baker, who is vice president of partnerships and innovations at the CNIB. Yeah, we reached out to these guys, you know, after their uh, Global Accessibility Day announcement that they were partnering with uh, Ira and Blind Square and Key to Access, I believe is, is the yep, name of the yep. other. Um, yeah, so we, we thought we'd reach out to them and see if we could get somebody on to talk a little bit about what those partnerships mean and uh, what it means for the CNIB going forward. So we're also going to be talking to him a little bit later. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Kirsten. How are you? I'm good. Just trying. Sorry, taking me a minute here. No worries. Uh, well, listen. We want to thank you so much for taking some time out and joining us today. Um, we, we've actually been been sort of uh, anxious to to get somebody from um, the organization for a while. So um, thanks, thanks so much. Glad to be here. Um, so why don't we start with just giving us a little bit of an overview of what President's Group does. Sure. So the President's Group is a group of business leaders who have gotten together in uh, thanks to the Ministry of Social Development and oh no, it's poverty and social development. They keep changing the ministries. <laughs> Not the government. Uh, yes, they do. They do. Um, and so they've gotten us together to really help to advise the government on policies and strategies that they're employing when it comes to accessibility. And we are here to help meet that accessibility 2024 goals that were set, really making the province the best place uh, for people with disabilities. So what what are some of the what are some of the, the things that you do with businesses in order to sort of bring sort of the business case forward um, for, um, say, hiring people with with access challenges? So what we've done is the the members of the president's group, there's anywhere between 20 and 25 at, at any given time. We're different sizes of businesses, small and large. And we're looking at trying to help other companies by sharing our experiences and how we have worked with people with disabilities, hired people with disabilities, and creating accessible environments in our offices. So really our main focus of what we do is sharing our stories and helping others to follow the same path. So what, what's sort of the main thing that, that you, you guys find that you need to educate businesses about? So we're looking at the fact that there is uh, misunderstandings with what does it take um, to accommodate people with disabilities and people have assumptions on what that looks like. 
um, that we can help dispel some of those rumors and myths and actually really share the information on what it takes. I think there's some fear that we talk through with people. You know, they don't want to make a mistake. They, they, you know, disabilities aren't always visible. And so perhaps there's things that they're not sure how to, how to handle. Um, you know, even just the language uh, that should be used when talking with people uh, with different disabilities. I think that we work with people also on the business case. They're wondering, well, why do we need to do this? There's many people out there and we didn't have, you know, what, what's the business case for why we should hire people with disabilities? And so we go through quite a bit of information with them on why each of us chose to do this and why there is a business rationale. Because if there's no business rationale and it's simply, you know, a good thing to do, uh, businesses may not take that, that step that they need to. And last but not least, there's definitely a lot of details that we can share. And many of the businesses have approached different uh, avenues for hiring people with disabilities. At SAP, we're very focused on uh, our program called Autism at Work. So we have a lot of great information on how could you source, hire, retain, and support individuals who are on the autism spectrum. Now, there, there's been a lot of, of talk about um, accessibility and inclusivity um, in the past few years, um, do you find that that's, that's having an effect for you guys? Like, do you find it's a little bit easier these days to, to make this the business case? Yeah, I think there's two, two things. I think, yes, it's definitely more present in our, our culture these days, right? That we want to make sure that we're creating inclusive cultures. There's really great reasons for that. Everything from the ability to innovate requires diversity of thought and skills and people all the way through to there is a war for talent. Right? It's getting harder and harder in all of our businesses to hire. We're kind of running out of people. And what's really sad is how many people there are with disabilities right now who are unemployed or underemployed. And so between these two different aspects of it being really prominent in the culture and there being a real, you know, war for talent. We're finding a lot of people are coming forward. I spend a tremendous amount of time speaking to people about our experiences because they really feel the need to make a, you know, make a move in this direction. What kind of um, accommodations did you put in place to, uh, to support your employees with autism? Uh, this is one of the, the big myths for everyone uh, out there to hear is that it, it is not a tremendous amount of accommodation required. So when it comes to the physical space of the building, certainly we've had to ensure that there were quiet spaces for our, our program members to be able to, you know, sit and, and sort of wind down and if they need to and have some quiet space. There's also the need to have at their work area the ability to be quite um, to turn off many of the noises. So whether that's through headphones or different uh, devices, but to be honest, these are things that we provide for all of our employees. So we do have nap rooms and mindfulness rooms and wellness rooms and yoga mats and a gym and many different places for people to sit and unwind, uh, irrespective of whether they're on the spectrum or not. So these are things that we already had in our office and available to people. The biggest thing from an accommodation standpoint was a job coach someone that would remain with the individuals once they were on the team uh, to stay by their side and help them with some of the things to adjust inside of a large company working environment. And so that I think was the biggest quote unquote accommodation, meaning that it was something we didn't have in place already and certainly something that had an additional cost for the organization. Um, so those were the two main, main things that we've done. 
One of the questions I have as as someone who was unemployed for almost a year, going through a government agency to find a job, they really weren't very helpful. So how does somebody with a disability find employers who are actually looking for or hiring persons with disabilities? That's a great question. So we, this is something that has been identified as we've been together on the president's group over the past few years. Not only is it hard for employers to find individuals, it's hard both ways, right? There are too many organizations, they're very fragmented. And so what we're trying to do with the accessibleemployers.ca site is trying to work first with the employers. But our goal is to extend this out so that we will have the ability to have matching programs and have individuals with disabilities find the employers rather than simply the other way around. So we're trying to pull everything together and try to help people navigate through this. It's definitely difficult. There's no solution right today. Mm -hmm. Um, What I would say is anybody um, who's out there, look for the organizations that support whatever, uh, whatever barriers you're facing, whether that's you know, a physical barrier or autism. There are many organizations. Get connected into those right now. Pick one, get connected into it. That's how we find our individuals for our organization. So we would go, say, to the Pacific Family Autism Network and ask them and say, okay, can you help us with the recruiting process? And so if you're connected into that organization, the employers will find you. So that's the best thing to do right now. Long term, we want to have a really much more conducive matching program that doesn't require so much relationship building. When a business comes to you and is, say, interested in hiring somebody with a disability, where where do you how do you sort of guide them? Do you do you sort of take them through the entire process and do you consult like do you consult on things like the assistive technology that that the um, the business may need to bring in to support that person, or how how does it all work? Sure. So on the president's group, uh, for each one of us, we have had experience, maybe not with all aspects of accessibility and accessible hiring. Um, So depending on what the uh, organization is looking for, um, they may talk to one or more of us to get some information, right? But when I've spoken to people, if they're interested in hiring people um, on the autism spectrum, we talk about the entire gamut of what we've done. We share what we learned. We share the mistakes that we've made. We share really the tips and tricks on what were the key success criteria. And then we share, of course, our connections that we have to different social partners and so that we can help them take that next step. We're very proud to have shared our program with quite a few companies who have now gone ahead and followed our path, but they will probably have to apply it differently. We're a certain size company with certain uh, types of processes and people in place, and every company is different, right? So you'll have to look at your hiring process and see what you might need to change. You might have to look at your compensation and see what you might need to change, or your physical space and what what you might need to change. But we help give all those tips by sharing our experience and our connections. Who who else is uh, on this uh, advisory board? 
So there are 25 different organizations. Uh, so we have YVR, Van City, BCAA, BCLC, BC Hydro, BC Tech Association, Bilo. Do you want me to read them all? Because I will. <laughs> <laughs> so so some pretty... Hazard, Absolute Spa, Destination BC, EY, Fairware, Gabby and Jules, HSBC, ICBC, Leadcorn, NPR, Pacific Blue Cross, the Research Universities Council of BC, Port of Vancouver, SAP Labs Canada, Save on Meats, TELUS, and Watson. Wow. In <laughs> alphabetical order, even. Yeah. <laughs> she, Thank she, you she, to accessibleemployers.ca. <laughs> she hasn't memorized all of them. I did. I did. No. <laughs> so if an employer came to you guys um, and, you, and you suggested, you know, an organization, whether it's in Pacific family autism network and they had um a person in mind that would probably fit a job description does that employer then go out to the community and find somebody to do like a workplace assessment or do you guys do that to see if your workplace is ready yeah and and what type Um, of technology or equipment might be involved or required yeah, so what we would advise um, if somebody was uh, coming to us on this is two things. One is to partner with that organization. That organization can help you with your site readiness. And so they would offer, you know, should you talk to perhaps um, others inside of the Pacific Family Autism Network or should you be talking with you know, Squire Society or others where you can get uh, assistance directly, they would help you with that. The key success criteria we tell everyone is that you this is not something you can do on your own. I mean, we are not experts on autism. We didn't know anything about it, really. Uh, there are many individuals here who have family members or, or children um, on the autism spectrum, but that doesn't make us experts even in the business context, right? And so first key thing you have to do is get a partner who is an expert. Mm-hmm. Then they can help you with all of those things. So they will let you know and tell you whether you should have a separate assessment or they will come and see and work with you. We had people uh, support us all the way through our journey and still to this day help us with the job coaches and the recruiting of our employees. So really, it's kind of like a it's, it's you guys are kind of the center of a hub where, you know, people can can come to you and then you will direct the rest of it through, you know, different partners, strategic partners and and get a person, you know, employed with the right person, get the right equipment all through a big network, if I'm understanding it correctly. Exactly. Exactly. We like to, I think hub is a great way to say it. We like to make sure that we have as much information, share our stories, but connect people um, so that they can carry on their journey on their own. So the way the website is set up, which is really, I think, an easy way to take a look at it. If you're a big business or a small business, so less than 100 employees or more than 100 employees, you can see stories that relate to your size and scale of business. And certainly different stories on whether it's uh, on wheelchair accessibility or hiring people with physical disabilities or the different programs that all the companies have run. So you go in here, you say to yourself, I'm big or small from a size perspective, and I'm interested in, you know, this type of uh, hiring, and then you can just go from there. You also might be someone who's never looked at this before and is just getting started, someone who's really in the throes of it and really trying to build momentum, or you could be really fully engaged and want to do more. You may want to get out there and actually be giving back um, at this point because you've got to a stage where you have some uh, some great lessons and sh- uh, learnings to share. 
And do you find that the that you know making the business case for hiring people with disabilities is is a pretty easy sell for most companies? Because I, I mean, really, it, it should be because it's it's the the numbers speak volumes. Do, do you find that's kind of the easy part? I think that's become much much easier, as we said before. I mean, it's very you know it's within the consciousness of everyone that. We live in a world where technology uh, assists anyone to work from anywhere um, with all sorts of skill levels and abilities. And so what's the reason not to? Uh, a lot of the things that might have been considered barriers before have been eliminated thanks to technology. And certainly, as I said, there's a war for talent. Um, everybody's having trouble hiring. And Vancouver is so popular and so awesome that everybody wants to stay and live here. Um, and I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, well, we have to immigration has to bring in people because we can't hire. And I'm always frustrated with that. I have to say, like, if you just hired the people who are sitting right here in this province, who are underemployed or unemployed, who are perfectly capable, and in fact, could be some of the best employees you've ever had, we wouldn't have an issue with hiring. We would not have a war for talent. Yeah, that's true enough. I, between two different companies, I've worked with a lot of people with uh, with visual impairments and blindness, and and typically our our employees who were visually impaired and blind were our rock stars, and in one case is our rock star. Who, who's that? <laughs> that's that's you, Ryan. You've Me. Got, you've got two songs recorded. You're a rock All star. All right. Woo. <laughs> I'm a rock wow, star. Rock star in our midst. I'm number one. I'm number one. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> yeah, but he's a one-hit wonder. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's the name of my next. It? Can you sing it for us? Now I'm really dying. Uh, Whitecanerecords.com. <laughs> really? I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> no. It's all gone to his head. <laughs> we didn't give you permission to plug that. <laughs> You're in my basement. <laughs> Anything goes. So for you guys, for President's Group itself, what what is your biggest challenge? Is it is it sort of spreading the word and, and getting the word out there to other businesses? Is that kind of where you guys focus most of your energies? Oh, it's a great. Uh, we, we, we started out, uh, I think our biggest challenge was figuring out how could we have an impact? Uh, we very much want to make sure that we are making a great environment for people with disabilities to get gainful employment, right? They tell us, you know, the stats are crazy, right? That there's all these job openings, a million job openings ready, and that there's 334,000 British Columbians that have a disability. And so that's a third of, of those job openings that can be filled. And so we felt it was a bit overwhelming to figure out what can we actually do? So we landed on creating accessibleemployers.ca. And our goal here was to really get the conversation started and then keep the movement going. So we're literally, you know, in different forums, throwing down the gauntlet saying, okay, this is what we're doing. Why aren't you, <laughs> right? This is, it's time, right? And this is, this is something that needs to be done and your business will benefit from it. So we've slowly but surely ended up here with a great site, I think, that helps tell that story. But it's still hard right now to get people to the site, right, to start that journey. Um, I think once you get there, it's very easy to navigate, you know, depending on where you're at in your journey and what you're looking to do. I think that you would be able to find what you need. But it's hard still to get people to this forum, 
and get that conversation going and get them moving. So I would say the hardest part was figuring out what to do. And then we came up with something great. Now we just got to get people to make sure they go there and start their journey. And maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't, but a lot of people with disabilities when looking for a job, you know, myself included, look at job qualifications and just go down the list going, I'm not qualified, not qualified, not qualified, not qualified, don't have the skills, don't have the degrees, diplomas, whatever. Do you find employers are willing to do on the job training, even if you have some transferable skills, maybe you don't have the degree or the diploma? Yeah, I think that businesses, certainly in the technology industry, we've changed quite a bit on how we do job descriptions. And certainly through the Autism at Work program, we've definitely changed our, our expectations. We used to create job descriptions that were the kitchen sink. You know, <laughs> if you could do all that and, you know, make French fries for dinner, we loved you, right? And so really, we don't do that anymore. We really talk more about the environment that you'll be working in and the expectations of an employee and what we provide as an employer. And so I do think that job descriptions are changing. Um, I do think that's something that all of us, many of us have looked at. There's a lot of implicit bias in there and unconscious bias in there um, against all sorts of folks that they wouldn't want to look at these jobs for the same reasons you said. So job descriptions alone are something that we work on very carefully. And I would say that many of the businesses here in the president's group have changed their hiring processes, starting with the job postings. Yay! <laughs> About time. Oh, shut up and go. Shut, shut up and get a degree, right? <laughs> I got a certificate. <laughs> it's a rock star. He doesn't need a degree. <laughs> I think Steve Tyler has a degree. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> so I think I think Brian May isn't he an astrophysicist? Something like that. Yeah. yeah anyways, um, uh, Sting, Sting was a professor, an uh, English professor, right? Oh yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, see, there you go, Ryan. You better get a degree. <laughs> Need something to fall, fall back, back on after your one hit. That's right. Um, President's Group is sort of made up of, of a variety of different of business leaders here in the Lower Mainland. Um, what kind of brought you into it yourself, uh, with you and your, your company? Um, how did you sort of enter the field of, of advocacy for um, people with disabilities in, in, this, in this way? So our, our entry into the President's Group was with the uh, SAP's global program for Autism at Work. We had, in 2014, the exact same year the President's Group started, we made a global commitment to hire 1% of our workforce at the time um, to be individuals on the autism spectrum. So that translates into 650 individuals globally. Right. And Canada uh, put our hand up, as we always do, uh, to be a pilot location, uh, certainly with our social systems here and, and the amazing, uh, amazing people and inclusive culture we have in Canada. Uh, we thought, we're going to do this. We should be on the forefront of this. And so we've hired, we're in the fifth wave of hiring. And when the president's group, uh, a few of the folks on there I've, I've known through the business community heard about what SAP was doing, they asked us to come and present. 
uh, what we were doing. And after we finished presenting, of course, we were then, <laughs> oh, you have to be part of the group. And now you have to be, uh, you know, you can see how that goes, right? right. Whenever you put your hand up, yeah, you become you become the spokesperson. But as we've been uh, learning about this, we, we really feel compelled to share with everyone. It has been wildly successful with many mistakes that we've made. And so the more we can share with people, um, we, we prefer to do that. So it made us a pretty uh, strong advocate. We've gone so far as to uh, get the uh, Rick Hansen Foundation certification for accessible workplace. So we now just got gold certified first business. We're very proud of that. And so now we feel like we're, we're really taking this by storm. This really matters to us as a culture, as a business. Um, and we really want to be out in front trying to bring others along with us. We should talk a little bit about um, how people can can sort of contact President's Group or work with you, whether they're, they're businesses or if even if they're individuals. So absolutely, the website is your first point of contact. It's accessibleemployers.ca. Um, from there, you can peruse uh, the main points of a business case, who we are as the President's Group, a lot of stories and case studies that we have, different resources. Um, and then this is where you can contact um, the team and be able to connect directly with one of our consultants. And they will help to make whatever connection it is that you need to make that you didn't find here on accessibleemployers.ca. We do offer uh, accessibility and inclusion training. So there's uh, different events and things that you can be a part of. So accessibleemployers.ca. That's where you'll find us, and that's where you can get connected for further information. Uh, I would recommend take a look at the business case that's on the front uh, the front page when you get to accessible employers. Mm -hmm. There's some really great imp information if you're not convinced yet, um, but that talks about the productivity uh, research has shown with inclusive workplaces and how you're two times more likely to exceed your financial targets six times more likely to be innovative and effectively anticipate change. I mean, these are pretty strong uh, numbers uh, to really back up why you want to be considering hiring people with disabilities. There's so many great benefits and it talks about uh, employees being, um, there's 72% more staff retention when you have a diverse and inclusive workplace. That 86% of attendance uh, or average or better with employees with disabilities and 90% performance was equal to or better than coworkers without disabilities. What we've seen here at SAP is when we brought our first cohort in, uh, people on the team were like, whoa, we're gonna have to up our game because <laughs> these, <laughs> these employees are killing it. They were finding bugs in the software that were 15 years old that their colleagues who'd been here forever and wow. who thought they knew everything uh, didn't even notice. <laughs> so I think that uh, the benefits here are pretty pretty clear. It's it's right out here for you. If you haven't and aren't considering hiring people with disabilities, it, the time is now. Well, a full, full third of my workforce is a person with a disability. So, <laughs> But he's he's currently trying to get the hell out and get into uh, SAP. <laughs> resume on the way. <laughs> Got to polish off that resume. SAP.com slash careers. No, All right. <laughs> just shush. You just shush. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. That means you, you have to increase productivity by six times. I know. So you the better get on. no naps for you. <laughs> 
That's true. I'm going to guess you can be six times more innovative for sure, just from this few, <laughs> few short time we've spent together. Maybe. Oh, dear. <laughs> dear. Yeah, I mean, part yeah. of the, part of the reason why we were so anxious to, to have you on, um, and, and we just came across um, the, the President's Group site, uh, I think just kind of by chance, um, you know, our, our Twitter, we keep our Twitter feed, you know, sort of full of... Uh, um, like-minded accessibility companies and manufacturers and uh, individuals. So we kind of came across you guys and, you know, it wasn't long after sort of diving into the website that we realized that, yeah, I mean, you guys are doing really important work and, um, you know, it, we can make, you know, the country such a better place if we can really, you know, get some traction behind this and, and start employing this, this, like you said, this underserved, um, you know, base of people. So, um, hats off to you guys. Oh, well, thank you. And I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. This is the time is now <laughs> it's enough, enough talk. Let's, let's, let's do it. Right. Well, so uh, I'm glad you found us. And, and now you see sort of our dilemma, right? How do we make sure that more people see this? And again, it's about, you know, continuing the momentum. Um, it's not about showcasing our organizations. It's about getting others to, to see the light and join us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and having, you know, the three of us have, have all worked in the assistive technology field for, for quite a long time. And, you know, what, what I think surprises people who are outside of that is that, that this assistive technology exists. And not only that, it's so good that there really is, there, there aren't really any barriers that, that assistive technology can't overcome for the most part. A hundred percent. It's, it's amazing. Um, of course, SAP banks on the idea that technology is ubiquitous and, and can change the world and have an impact. But this is this is your best example of it. There yeah. is literally now no barrier that I can see that can't be overcome with technology. All right, Kristen, uh, we'd like to really thank you for, for taking the time out and, and talking with us today. And, and as Ryan said, we'll uh, we'll be in touch and uh, we'll have you on again for sure. Well, it was really fantastic meeting you all. And you have all uh, unbelievable radio voices. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I've been we thinking to myself, oh, these are great radio voices. <laughs> good, good. Because we, we definitely have the faces to match that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, it was great meeting you all. I really enjoyed it and looking forward to another chat. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks, Kristen. Kristen. All, right. all right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. No, it's cool. It's nice to hear that uh, employers are getting together and sharing their experiences and, and uh, you know, getting a bit of a, a community together of like-minded uh, employers who uh, are not balking at, uh, at the idea of, uh, of hiring people with disabilities out of, out of some fear-based reactionary thing. Well, I think that it's, it's really, I've never heard it explained quite like that. Um, I, th I feel like in the past, a lot of times companies who, who looked into, you know, employing people with disabilities, there was usually some sort of a, how to put this, not, not cynically, but there was some sort of a, a benefit to the company in terms of maybe it was a subsidy or maybe it was, um, I don't even know what, what, what other, what other benefits, but 
Well, I think Kristen makes a really good point. You know, they've, they've got that document on their site that talks about the benefits of it. And, you know, through the years of, of dealing with, um, you know, people in employment situations, we, we know there's benefits. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest ones for an employer is, is simply retention. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that, that in itself to an employer is an important aspect of, of hiring. Mm, you yeah. want somebody who's going to stick around because you don't want to spend a whole lot of time um, training somebody only to have them go, you know, run off and work for SAP, for example, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> but, uh, but um, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, the, I, I remember years ago, uh, UPS uh, was, was hiring people with visual impairments in their, uh, in their call centers because of that very fact. You know, they, they had huge turnover in their call centers, but they found that people with visual impairments tended to stick around. Now, the sad part of that is that the reason they tend to stick around is because it's really damn difficult to get hired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's... Uh, you know, if, if you can, if you can build enough competition for those people in the workplace, then they'll probably be just as mobile as anybody else. But we're a long way from that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with education as well. Like, you know, we were just talking about there at the end, um, a lot of employers, a lot of people in general don't know the scope of assistive technology that's out there and that somebody who's say visually impaired can operate a computer, you know, just as well, if not even better sometimes, uh, than somebody with sight with things like screen readers. I mean, a lot of people just, that's not common knowledge that, that those things exist. So, you know, a lot of employers will probably just look at a position and be like, well, no, a blind person couldn't do this mm -hmm. job in the first place. And so they never really even go that route. So, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I think that, that as the assistive technology conversations grow and, and more and more people are educated on, on just what's out there and what, what isn't necessarily a barrier for people with disabilities that, you know, organizations like this can get some traction and really get some interest going in the business case for, for hiring. Well, and I hope too, that it's, you know, it's key people at these companies that are doing the hiring. Like, it's not going to be the CEO who is actually being educated on hiring someone with disabilities. Maybe it's going to be the person who's doing the interview. Because how many times has somebody with a disability gone in, done the interview, that was it, never got a call back? You know, they've never gotten past the interview process. And it may not have anything to do with their qualifications or skills. The company may just see dollar signs. What's it going to cost me? Right. I think they need to have key people in place that are knowledgeable about what is available out there or have the ability to find the resources, the information needed on, you know, assistive technology devices, resources and so on so that they can make an educated decision when it does come time to hire. Yeah. And I mean, it seems to me that they're 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 also doing this perfectly because, you know, the the organization itself is made up of all these business leaders that are that are highly successful uh, like all the companies that she she mentioned they're mm -hmm. all like large successful companies and they're setting the example for everybody else yep. and and those are the the people that the small medium and even large companies are going to look to and go wow okay well this strategy is clearly working for these guys let's try it out 
So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, they've got a lot going for them in, in that sense. Okay, well, let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Len Baker from the CNIB. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Len Baker here. So joining me, or joining us in the room, I have Steve Barclay. Hello there. Hey, Steve. And Rob Minot. Hello. Hey, Rob. And again, thank you so, so much for making time Steve for us. Rob. Ryan, Steve, and Rob, yep. Two R's and an S. Sounds like the forwards for the Bruins. Either that or, <laughs> right. either that or the world's worst barbershop quartet. For, for, for obvious reasons, because <laughs> we can't count. <laughs> nice. It's going to be fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess what we wanted to, to sort of talk to you about and, and to get a little bit of clarification on, um, I understand last week you guys made um, a couple of announcements about some new partnerships, uh, and we were hoping to, to just have you on and, and maybe talk a little bit about each of those. Certainly, and I'll just quickly introduce myself. I'm the uh, Vice President for uh, Partnerships and Innovation, a, a newly created role at the CNIB. I've been around the organization 25 years here in Canada and uh, really excited about this new opportunity to look at how we can uh, partner with uh, tech innovators uh, like the three organizations that we're partnering with in Canada as announced on Global Accessibility Awareness Day uh, and also, you know, other organizations, individuals, companies who kind of share uh, a vision for the future where we're, we're working to break down barriers for employment for people who are blind or partially sighted. Um, we're helping to enhance um, education outcomes for students by complementing the programs that are available in the school system and, and really looking to make our communities more accessible. And, and there's no greater um, tool available to us uh, to be able to do that um, in our age than, than what technology offers. And uh, as you mentioned, in, in May on, on the 17th, uh, we announced three partnerships as a starting point of, of CNIB's new um, strategic plan uh, called Bold Dreams, Bright Futures, which which focuses on those areas I just mentioned. Um, IRA is a, a really interesting uh, device that uh, connects individuals with a an agent, uh, a trained agent on the other end of, of the line. Uh, you can connect um, either directly through um, an iOS or Android app on your smartphone or through a specially designed a pair of, of glasses, a uh, head-mounted device that has a camera built into it. And so the person actually has a kind of a subscription with IRA. Um, they can purchase minutes per month and or have unlimited minutes. And in return, uh, you are able to connect with somebody who can help guide you um, through the community, assist you at work, uh, assist you in school, um, around the house. It's uh, really kind of like uh, if you're familiar with OnStar in uh, in a lot of the Chevrolet products uh, where you can connect with an agent who will help guide you. Well, this is this was kind of the idea, I believe, uh, when Suman and, and uh, his brother came up with the idea for, for Ira was that, you know, we could really come up with a, a, a way of uh, providing sighted guide uh, or sighted guidance or assistance uh, to people who are blind or partially sighted basically by a, a flick of a, or a tap on the screen of your iPhone. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's application is, is very broad. 
I think a lot of people initially think about IRA in terms of mobility and navigation, but it can do a whole lot more. And it can be very meaningful um, for somebody who's blind or partially sighted uh, in the workforce or in the school setting uh, to be able to have somebody that they can tap into to say, you know, there's something just went up on the board um, at the meeting. Um, can you tell me what what's there? Or I'm going into a meeting. Can you give me the layout of the, of the boardroom or the meeting room? Who's there? Um, can you assist me as I make my way to the building? Um, should you encounter some uh, mobility um, difficulties or obstacles in your way? So it's kind of a, a an asset, an additional tool, right. one of many that people who are blind or partially sighted may want to rely on. It, it doesn't replace um, sound um, and capable orientation mobility um, skills or techniques, uh, but it can assist uh, a person in, in making more information available to them than maybe previously it would have been difficult to access. So, so that's the IRA um, app. Um, do you want me to go on with the other two? Well, maybe you can just uh, tell us if somebody wants to uh, get on board with IRA in Canada now, how how should they go about it? Great point. Yeah, so to, to access IRA now, an, an individual can either contact their, their local uh, CNIB office um, we are in the process now of actually having uh, some of our uh, office locations set up um, for IRA access. And that's another important component to, to the service that I, I didn't mention off the top, is that not only can individuals um, purchase and have the subscription to be able to use IRA, but organizations, um, municipalities, events can create what's called an IRA access. And so for a fee, they can create um, a geofence around an event or an activity. So it could be a museum, it could be a sports event, uh, whereby enabling anybody to be able to download uh, the IRA app for free and avail of, of, a, uh, of an agent and the help that agent can provide while they're there during that event. Right. Yeah, so there, there's, a, there's a few, I think, airports in the States that have, that have sort of done something similar. Absolutely, yeah. Airports, uh, I know they did something really cool at the Boston Marathon uh, earlier in the year, um, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really innovative way of, again, just cre creating a different type of an event or experience for somebody uh, to be able to tap in uh, to an agent um, to assist them get further information about something they may not really um, you know, be able to access otherwise. So are your subscription plans the same as they are in the U.S.? Yes, yes. So it's the same, the same subscription. Um, in fact, they're they're in U.S. dollars. Um, so we have uh, some of the issues in Canada with the fluctuation in the currency. Um, we're like we're working to stabilize that to make it easier for people not to have to worry about that fluctuation in currency. Um, but yeah, there's there's a there's a cost. Right. Okay, uh, sir. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about Blind Square? Okay, so uh, Blind Square um, is um, obviously many listeners will be aware of it as in terms of the GPS um, capability that it has to help with outdoor navigation in terms of wayfinding and, and finding points of interest. Uh, but what they've also been doing is, is working on using uh, a beacon technology uh, for, to assist with indoor navigation. Um, here in Toronto, um, at our newly created uh, hub space um, downtown, um, we have engaged the local business community to put 
beacons inside of their stores uh, to enable uh, a pedestrian who has uh, downloaded the Blind Square app uh, to be able to pick up information on the other side of the door. Uh, so whereas GPS really helps you get down the sidewalk, when you open the door and go inside, the GPS stops working, and that's where the beacons kick in. And so a beacon inside the store will, you know, let you know the name of the store that you just entered. It'll give you some navigation tips, like, you know, the, the lineup is on the right. Um, it could even include some of the specials of the day or anything like that that, that that would be of interest to the customer coming in. So we're partnering with Blind Square to uh, be the distributor for that indoor navigation uh, assistance in Canada, uh, working uh, with community uh, to, you know, for people to better understand how beacons could assist somebody with indoor navigation um, to deploy those beacons in, in locations, including the 50 office locations we have at the CNIB in, in, in Canada uh, and in the area surrounding our buildings uh, to make sure that, you know, we are as accessible for, for everybody who comes to visit, visit us as, as we can be. Uh, so it's a really exciting um, opportunity to look at how uh, we can, uh, again, complement the mobility skills that, that individuals have by using beacons as a way of furthering the information that's available to them, provide enhanced mobility assistance uh, to individuals. Um, and then the, the final uh, device that we that we launched on, on May 17th uh, is an uh, Ottawa, Ontario company called Key to Access who've developed uh, an application that will allow you to trigger a pedestrian crossing without actually having to go up to the pole and find the button and push the button. Um, if there's a, a piece of technology uh, mounted on the signal lights in the community, uh, the app can, can uh, connect to that and thereby signal uh, the lights without an individual actually having to get up to the light pole. And, and in Canada, in the middle of the winter, that could be really handy. Um, where you may otherwise have to maybe climb over a snowbank um, to get up to the to the light pole to trigger it. So those those types of, of technology, IRA, Blind Square, Key to Access, we were really kind of focusing on starting the conversation about unleashing the power of technology around mobility and, and navigation. And I think that those are three very interesting examples of technologies um, designed primarily uh, to assist provide additional information for, for wayfinding and then also, you know, in a broader application, uh, benefiting our ambitions around enhancing opportunities at work and opportunities in school for people as well. So is, is the CNIB's role in this sort of as acting as sort of advocates, um, you know, interfacing sort of with the community to encourage them to embrace this technology and and put it in their um, their their different um, stores or malls, uh, so that and, and then the flip side of that, and then you, are you guys incorporating that technology into say your your O and M um, training? to sort of get the users to, to embrace it at the same time? Absolutely. Yes, to both questions. So, you know, because of our brand and because we are so well-known across the country, um, organizations, um, municipalities, governments interested in enhancing accessibility often turn to CNIB for information and guidance on that. So it's really helpful for us to have these types of partnerships where we can direct people towards the, some of the solutions 
uh, back to the system in, in making their uh, space more accessible. And ultimately, you know, our, our goal is to unleash the power of technology, meaning we want more technology in the hands of, of Canadians um, to serve their needs that allow them to get on with the things that they want to do. We want to make sure that those products are as affordable as possible for individuals. So what can we do to break down the cost? and ultimately for people to be able to use them effectively. And for that to happen, our staff who are out in the field um, need to have access to those devices, and they need to know how to use them well to be able to incorporate them into their programs, as you mentioned. So, yes, we, we envision not only with our, our current um, rehabilitation and community-based programs, uh, but also with our, our new guide dog program and ensuring that people who participate in our guide dog uh, program, which we launched last year, um, will also um, have these types of devices. They'll know about them. It'll be up to them whether they choose to use them or not, but they'll certainly be aware of them and they can consider how any of those devices or technologies can assist them with their mobility. Now, was there was there a sort of a strategy? Because it seems to me looking at, the, at these three, I mean, they're all sort of centered around mobility um yeah. was was that sort of on purpose in terms of of the first rollout exactly yes um because you know there, there are so many opportunities um for our organization when we look at the future around um success in the workplace right a success school success in the communities uh so we would you know we kind of envision that as we're going out uh, with these um, announcements and partnership opportunities, we're kind of bundling to them together uh, around some of these themes. In fact, indeed, what we've done in May was kind of a pre-launch to, to kind of set up um, the launch of our of our next strap plan uh, in September. So all of these things now are are kind of um, leading up to us doing this, you know, more formal celebration of our next hundred years as an organization in Canada, culminating in Ottawa in September as we embark on our next 100-year journey. And this, this piece of work that we just accomplished in May was to set the stage around um, you know, unleashing the power of technology with a focus on communities. Um, we'll also be doing you know, a focus on employment and, and talking about some key strategies there that we feel will enhance opportunities for employment for people and and then around you know education and some of the things we want to do with educators and school boards and departments of of education in Canada to um, create opportunities for for greater success in school and and then you know coming full circle kind of back to communities and advocating and really keeping our our ear to the ground when it comes to you know who's out there uh, in terms of developing, what's the next innovation that's coming down the pipe, how can we tap into things like AI um, and, and other types of emerging technology that could really be game changers for people. And and then so we're not overwhelming people. How do we kind of bundle these together so it kind of makes sense uh, when we take these new um, opportunities out to the community so that, that people come along on the on the ride with us and understand what it is we're trying to accomplish. Robot guide dogs. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so what and what kind of events um, like 
how how are you guys rolling this stuff out to the end users? Are you, are you guys sort of having demos of, of all this technology within local CNIBs, or just how is it all working? Yeah, so that's 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 where we're getting to. So as I as I mentioned, we're we're still working uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we're like the uh, duck in the water, you know, the feet are going madly underneath and it looks kind of smooth on top. Um, we've got September in our sights is when we're launching all of this. So between now and then, there's work that we're doing in terms of, you know, getting the technology out to our, our office locations, uh, the training of our staff that that's happening, um, the deployment of, of um, the activities and the initiatives uh, we had a lot of things kind of in the pipeline, the blind square that we're that we're now starting to move forward on. Uh, certainly, you know, we want to have a uh, a lot of leadership uh, within the organization to look at the business to business component of things like Ira, and, and going out and proudly talking about how, you know, this type of technology can can really change um, the experience for people who are blind or partially sighted in communities. So we're really at this point at the building phase, okay. uh, and come September. Uh, we will do our more formal launch. Uh, we'll have all the right players and the technology and everything in place. And it'll be a real celebration starting right across the country after that September announcement. So if anybody out there does want a little bit more information, say, on, on the initiative and, and what um, what you guys are actually doing, is it just best for them to contact their local CNIB or contact head office? No, no, by all means. We, we want people to contact their local office. They can best advise people as to, you know, where we are with the, with the deployment of these new technologies in their region. Um, they can reach out on, on the person's behalf to us uh, if there are things that we're still working on. But uh, the, the relationship is local, um, and, you know, these devices are meant to support people in the communities where they live. And, and uh, it's important that they're connected to their local CNIB office to learn more, not just about what we've done uh, on May 17th, but some of the other um, interesting things that will be coming down the pipe in, in the months ahead. CNIB in, in Canada is um, seeking um, to really... Um, stand out in terms of our, our efforts as an organization that over the last hundred years had really focused um, so much of its of its energies and expertise in the area of rehabilitation for people who are blind or partially sighted. It was an important part of our mission and, and something that in Canada we spent the last four years working on a solution so that we weren't providing that service under a charitable banner to people who needed rehab. Now that we've worked with governments across our country to ensure that people have access to rehabilitation that's properly funded and supported, we can now turn our sights to, you know, utilizing the support from the community, from donors who at one point were giving us donations so that people could have orientation and mobility training, uh, to now be able to use their support to put more technology in the hands of people to, to break down attitudinal barriers and to do a lot of the things that people are blind or partially sighted in our country. We're really hoping we could aspire to do and, and to make a change in this country, but that you know we were somewhat hand tied in, in terms of our uh, the need to continue to raise significant uh, money every year to provide rehab. So we're kind of turned that chapter in our history, and and we want to be um, very progressive and seeing this being at the forefront of, of technology and innovation in Canada. And it's going to be a very interesting journey over the next four years to see how much we move the needle in those areas. But it's uh, it's going to be a fun trip. Yeah, I mean, and and it is a little bit of a challenge. I mean, the technology 
given that the technology moves so fast. Yeah. Yeah. And but Canada is a very innovative country. There's there's a lot of technology um, that's happening here, especially in the AI space and, and, and in uh, obviously in smartphone development and, and all kinds of areas. There's a lot of startups here and we want to, you know, tap into that and, and better understand how we can support uh, individuals and organizations that have an interest in making our country more accessible and our world more accessible for people, how we can use our expertise 100 years uh, in this field uh, to provide insight to them, uh, to be able to do user testing and, and, and other types of support uh, to companies that, that want to bring products to market that will help people who are blind or partially sighted, and then for us to gradually grow um, our skills and our ability to to uh, be a player in that space and, and, and to make a real impact in the lives of people um, by making sure that they have accessible technology at an affordable price to be able to do the things that they want to do to stay independent. Len, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, it was a real pleasure and uh, best of luck uh, moving forward. Brian, Steve, and Rob, thank you for having me on. I would love to come back and talk with you guys again, maybe after the launch in September. We'll probably have some more partnerships and, and, and things that are going on within CNIB that I'd love to talk with you about. That sounds great. Sounds fantastic. All right, sir. Okay. You have a rest, good thanks. rest of your day. You as well. Thanks. Thanks, Len. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. It's interesting the way the organization is changing. You know, the the fact that they've they've moved all that rehab stuff off to another area, mm. and they're focusing specifically on technology now um, and getting technology in people's hands. Which is, um, you know, if if they can if they can finagle it, if they can find the funding for it to get it in people's hands, that's awesome. Yeah, they got their work cut out for them, but uh, you know, it's that's good. You know, anything that's that uh, you know. Well, and even just incorporating beacons into their own offices, you know, that, that's awesome. You walk up to the building, they'll say main entrance directly in front of you. You walk through the doors, you know, in Vancouver, walk straight ahead, elevator on your left, you know, they give you so much more information. It, it's going to be super helpful to everybody. Oh, yeah. Excellent. The use of technology. So do you think, well, I'm assuming CNB is using iBeacons. I don't yeah. know. That's, that's probably my guess. So they probably got like a, a, a deep partnership with whoever who, who manufactures iBeacons is that Apple I guess so yeah yeah so they probably got a, a partnership should, with Apple there I should actually know that I just wrote the damn article but you know you know how it is you write an article and then everything just falls out of your head I've got to I've got to keep Battlestar Galactica factoids in my head I don't have room for actual knowledge yeah I wonder what their what their um, iris subscription and who their provider is and if they're actually is that well? It doesn't I guess sound like you, any of that's in place yet, though. I mean, that's what kind of surprised yeah. I gotta look at their me. website and had, take a look. So. They've had Ira demos and stuff at different CNIBs that I've noticed on Twitter. Because you said their pricing's in US, so they've got pricing. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if they figured out any of that. Which well, is going to be expensive. Isn't their service in the states uh, done through AT and T? Probably. Yes. So it'll be Rogers here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that somebody in Toronto was using it once on Rogers. Oh yay. Yeah, so you know if it's you know eighty dollars a month U.S. for sixty minutes or whatever, you're looking at one hundred and twenty bucks or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, thirty yeah. minutes. It's going to be expensive. Well, the other the other thing too is, you know, they're up against a free service as well. Yes, yeah. they are. I mean, I didn't want to say anything, but yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And not only that, you know, it, by September there could be three more. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not kidding when we say that the technology is moving fast, and that can that can be a, a real challenge to 
these types of partnerships. Uh, Blind Square could be it could be a flash in the pan. You don't know. Well, I think a lot of the beacon technology is is you know pretty much at its infancy right now, and it's mm-hmm. got a it's got a lot of potential for um, for evolution. And uh, you know the companies that are going to be successful at it are going to be the ones who evolve the the technology and do more and innovative things with it. So. Well, well and you know, especially with the beacon technology, I mean, a, the AT aspect of that is only that's a you got to remember that's a side. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's a drop. That, in that's the bucket. an afterthought. Yeah. That's a, is what really is driving that technology is the marketing side of it. They want you know retailers yep. and marketers want to the, push the ability to be push notifications. And, yeah. So that's what's really driving that technology forward. So uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but. Well, it's got to be integrated into the the um, accessibility solution. It has to, yeah. You know that the accessibility part of it has to dovetail off of those advertising beacons if it's going to really get out into yep. full functional use. Yep, yep. But again, I mean, this uh, you know, it's lucky enough to fall to to be able to take advantage of that technology. Again, it's, it comes back to a mainstream technology that's gonna that's gonna really benefit have have real AT benefits. So. Yay. But still, man, I don't know. But I guess, you know what, if you don't want to get push notifications, turn your notifications off. Just turn your, yeah, exactly. Turn yeah. your phone off. Oof, man. Or, or it'll be something like opting in. You know, you walk into London Drugs or whatever store and, oh, would you like to sign up for our newsletter and get our emails? No. <laughs> you know, same with your beacons. It might prompt you. Do you want to allow notifications from so-and-so? No. I, I'm telling you, you go to the mall now and like, that's the first question out of mm-hmm. their mouth. It's yep. like, what's your email address? Yep. I'm just like, why? Why do you, I, I would like to pay for this item. I don't need to give you my email address in order to do Are we that. dating now? Yeah. Like, why? But seriously, like before anything else, it's just, what's your email address? Do you have an account with us? No. I just want to buy this thing. And I don't want you. The funniest part is I went to the mall once and they asked for my phone number and I went to give them a dummy phone number and accidentally gave them my real phone number. (laughs) And I kid you, it was American Eagle. And I kid you not, I was 35 feet away from the store and I got a push notification or I got a text message from American Eagle thanking me for my purchase and reminding me that if I took the survey on the bottom of the receipt, I could win like $20 t-shirt or something. But still, like it's... So you filled out the survey and didn't win your $20 t-shirt? No, I didn't even do that. I just (laughs) blocked the number. Yep. Okay, boys. I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? Today, they can find us in the Guitar Dungeon or at atbanter.com. They can also drop us a line if they so desire. atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Huh. Is Is that so? It is so. Really? Mm-hmm. Now you had me second guessing myself there because I was like, Wait, did I get that right? Did I just give up my personal email without even thinking about it? Well, you know, in case you did get that wrong, people could also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes, they can. And where can people find Canadian assistive technology? Well, you know, we abbreviate that stuff, so they can find us at www.canastech.com. Um, Snicker as you will. And where can people find Mr. Rick Chant in case something that they have, assistive technology related, has broken and they need it fixed? Gads almighty. Well, you should get that stuff to Rick at Chaos Technical Services. He can be found at www.chaostechnicalservices.com. That's K-O-S-C-H-A-O-S. 
Oh, wait, were you done? No. Yeah, it was. I said, really? No, no yeah. he just said that's at www.chaos. Yeah, that's right. You did. You just you literally <laughs> spelled half of it. Well, no, I, I was, and then the beep. I think people know how to spell technical services. <laughs> well, then why did you start to spell it? It's the chaos part people have trouble with. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's www.chaostechnicalservices.com, and chaos is spelled C-H-A-O-S. There you go. There you go. Good, Good job. You guys. If you have trouble spelling it, just email Email in by atbanterpodcast at gmail.com and we'll help you spell it. Uh, hey, Ryan. Yes, sir. You want to plug your record again? <laughs> you get to edit whatever you want out of it. So. Go ahead. No. Whitecanerecords.com. That's right. That's right. Check R- it out. Ryan's got music. Yep. More on the way. There you go. Um, all right. Well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. We will see you all next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com. Or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com music provided by bensound.com whoa look at that master of the one take